And if I see an article written by Rihanna, the person who literally created Fenty Beauty, then I'm going to trust the advice that I'm going to get from that content versus someone who just might be sort of like a a beauty blogger, per se, who might be also writing a very similar article. Welcome to SGO Unveiled. Today, I've got a really fun guest. Uh, It's Marcia Ingram. And I just want to welcome her to the the uh, the podcast today. Uh, welcome, Marcia. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Clay. Thanks for having me. Really excited about our conversation. Yeah, I am. I am too. I, I feel you got a great background. And for all the people that are that are listening or watching, um, I'm just gonna I'm just give you a little intro. Uh, Marcia is a digital marketing professional that has worked in email marketing, web dev, and currently in the SEO space. So she's really done it all. Um, she's worked with clients that fall under the YMYL, the your money or your life category, which is a pretty interesting high bar for quality that Google that Google focuses on. And he, she enjoys doing SEO audits. Uh, that's funny because I feel like SEO audits are always are always a a, a space where where people um, people either love them or hate them. And and she loves building an SEO strategy. Right now, she's doing private consulting, um, and we'll give you uh, some ways to contact her in the show notes or or at the end. So thank you, welcome Marcia to the to uh, to our show. Thank you for that warm welcome, Clay. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. So um, I you know the one of the questions I always like to kick off is you know people come from so many different backgrounds in this space, and you did too, because it sounds like you've done so many different things. And like, what got you into SEO in the first place? Yeah, so it's it's really interesting because I started my career as well in email marketing, and then right after that, I went to web development. It's what I went to school for. So I've always sort of done SEO, but I like to call it like SEO light because I wanted to make sure my homepage had a title tag and I'm meta description. And that's really all I focused on when I built websites. That was the only page. Um, But then I had an interesting opportunity to work at an agency and they wanted to hire me to be an SEO manager. And I kind of thought, I don't even have the acronym SEO anywhere on my resume. This doesn't make sense. I was like scratching my head, like, are you sure? And I was like, can you have the team review my resume? I don't want to oversell anything here, right? And so she did have the team review my resume and they still wanted to bring me in for an interview. So I did the interview. And when I finally talked to the person who would be my manager, she was like, look, here's the deal. You you know how to read and write code. If you can teach my team that, we will teach you SEO. And I was like, oh, perfect. Like this this is a perfect situation for me right now. I also just felt like I was in a transitional point in my career. Like I had done so much web development and, you know, I had worked for, you know, Capital One and I worked for a law firm. And so I had already sort of done and had that experience. So I was also just looking for a career shift. So it couldn't have come at a more perfect time uh, for me. Yeah. I worked at an agency. Um, but yeah, that, that's how I got into SEO fundamentally. I, I mean, I, I I love that story because when you when I like read your bio of like email marketing and web dev, I'm like, this is a great way to get into SEO because you have such a such a good foundational background. Like you have a, a marketing background, plus you know the technical side of things, which 
to be honest, I feel like is not that challenging, but it just takes time and dedication to learn it. And so um, not the web dev dev part, but the technical SEO aspect of it. And so it's like, if you already have that that web development background, technical SEO is is so much easier for you because the, you know, just understanding what HTML is and kind of getting over the the barrier of what, you know, of reading code is, is, uh, is, is already done. And so I feel like when, when you, when I, when I understand your, your background, I'm like, wow, this is like, you know, this it's, it's a good match um, for the industry. And, and I would, I would probably see your resume and be like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a total slam dunk. Great, great hire too. So it's, it's interesting how, you know, when you're, when you're in your own kind of resume driver seat, how sometimes you second guess yourself. And, but, but if you keep on pushing through like you did and have an open mind and kind of, you know, you know, push through it, you can, you can get an interesting opportunity, which you never really thought was really what you were going for, but it can end up working out really well. I, I love SEO because there's so many avenues. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad you found a great one there. So, I mean, I'd love to, you know, you've got, you've got such a good perspective. So I'd love to get more insight about what trends in general are you noticing in SEO right now that you're just excited about? Yeah, I would say one trend for me, you know, we got the call sort of from Google uh, a few years back that Core Web Vitals was going to be hugely important and very um, impactful. And so I feel like there are a lot of companies that are sort of playing catch up with that and trying to figure out how to get their Core Web Vitals in a really good place. I think that also brings in that complexity and where my background definitely suits me because if you've got that technical aspect of SEO, like you said, then you sort of understand exactly what you need to do to get Core Web Vitals in a really, really good place. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. Still excited about page load speed, obviously, because we know that that's an important factor. More and more people are using their mobile devices to sort of do searching. And some people don't even own computers anymore. It's all about their smartphones, right? So that's still very much important. But I think the one that that really has me super duper excited right now would have to be each strategy, which stands for expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. And what that strategy basically says is if I go to a website, I want to know that the content I'm reading is from an expert. So a prime example of that, if I am looking up uh, how to reduce diabetes or what kind of diabetes medication I should be taking, I'm hoping to hit a blog post that's written by a doctor who has those acronyms behind their name so I can see that this is coming from an expert community. That is the sort of really, really um, good place to sort of be in because you're having this written from someone in the medical community. So people are going to be more willing to trust that versus going to a blog post that's just written by a content writer. So yeah, each strategy is the one for me. It's a really interesting perspective. And I haven't really heard that, that take on it much before of like, well, you know, eat definitely starts with expertise. So why not start the content by an expert themselves? Not necessarily the 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 website hosting, it has to be the expert, but the writer themselves can just be the expert, right? And that that's pretty cool. Um, I definitely, I I definitely, I definitely really like that. I mean, how do you find some of these writers when you know it's a it's like you know what you're talking about, like a doctor to write something or something like that when you kind of come from 
you know, backgrounds where we've, you know, we've had traditionally just writers write stuff or, you know, content marketing kind of professionals or, you know, dare I say it, AI people writing content, yeah. like not people, AI computers writing content, which is the, yeah. the opposite of expert. Right. So. Yeah. No, I mean, depending on the brand. So I work for a healthcare company and we employ people from the medical community. So that's one avenue that you can certainly tap into and sort of using them. Another thing that we would do is we would use a company called Content Writers, um, and they also staff people from the medical community. Um, so you have some people already there who can sort of write this content. And what's hugely important for EAT is to have that byline that fundamentally says this was written by Jane Doe, you know, comma, PhD, right? Because again, that signals to the users that, oh, I can trust this content. This was written by a doctor, so I can trust the advice or at least the content that I am reading that is sort of from here. So depending yeah. on how you're... you're your company is structured, you might have those people on staff, or you can just reach out to a company that can do that for you. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in the end, you can also have them be kind of edited by that person to kind of claim that. Um, but it's kind sure. of interesting, because now I'm thinking like, okay, so, you know, doctors, you know, they got the MD, or, or, you know, some people have PhDs, or, you know, they have a lot of other symbols and nurses, RNs, and you can, you can, you can kind of, utilize a lot of that in your healthcare sphere. But then <clears throat> I'm kind of thinking a little bit outside the box here of what well, works well <clears throat> in the legal field. And it works well, like even for like licensed plumbers, right? So if you think about like, I, you know, there's a lot of people that, that in the community that work for kind of the, the small local um, and, um, you know, licensed plumbers or, um, or, you know, a whole bunch of different, or, you know, locksmiths, all these kind of professionals that do have expertise. And you could say like, I was a locksmith with 27 years experience, you know, picking locks and opening doors for people that lost their keys, right? That, that gives you a little mm -hmm. good byline. I, I love that. I love that. Um, and then you mm -hmm. could all, I guess you could always use the, like the CEO of the company, right? Of if you don't have that kind of, niche, right? If you don't have a service or a professional kind of niche, and you're just more of like a business that provides like kind of businessy services, then you can always provide it with the CEO. I mean, do you think that would work as well? Or is that, what do you think? I mean, I'll give you a prime example. If I was into beauty, which I am, because I'm a girl, right? <laughs> um, you know, and I am doing research on a makeup brand. So for example, one of my favorite is Fenty Beauty. And if I see an article written by Rihanna, the person who literally created Fenty Beauty, then yeah. I'm going to trust the advice that I'm going to get from that content versus yeah. someone who just might be sort of like a, a beauty blogger, per se, who might be also writing a very similar article. But I, I and this is to your point, the CEO, right? Rihanna yeah. is the CEO of Fenty Beauty. So I'm going to trust what's coming out of that person's or the content that that person creates over someone who's just a random sort of like beauty blogger or whatever. So yeah, I, I definitely do think it can work in other areas. And I think for your money, your life, you know, on the financial side of things, you're probably going to want to see content written by a financial advisor versus somebody that you just tinkering and has a blog about money tips or things like that. 
Yeah. 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 I, I definitely totally understand that getting, you know, the CFA kind of person or, or, uh, or somebody with some credentials on, on a financial financial post is pretty helpful versus um, some of the, the, you know, financial independence, just bloggers. Um, but definitely, definitely makes a lot of sense. I, and I love the ways, the examples you posted, the beauty example is great because it's an industry where it's, it's a little bit less, it's a little bit harder to understand what, what who would be an expert. And I'm really glad that you outlined that. That's super helpful for, for people. Um, and then, you know, I think like, you know, when, when you're talking about eat, are there other tactics, you know, you talked about like an expert, are there other tactics that you're using that can help you stay ahead of the curve when it comes to kind of your, your eat strategy? Yeah, I would say that that's, that's a pretty big one, right? Because what we know is content is king and most searches on uh, Google being whatever, DuckDuckGo, whatever you're searching are going to be people that, that are looking for information. People do tons of research before they decide to pull the trigger and make a purchase, whether that be for a new car or, you know, if they're buying a house, for example, or whatever it may be, there's going to be some research behind it. Or it could be something really basic like patent leather red boots, you know, like people are going to go down a rabbit hole of doing their research, comparing prices and all of those different things. So some other things you can really do that'll be a part of that strategy is to also have reviews be a part um, of your business. So if you are a e-commerce site, for example, and you're selling things and you've got reviews from people about how the product was, how good it was, having that star rating and then having some reviews for people definitely helps to boost your eat as well. And I think that that's more of like the authoritativeness part of each strategy that sort of allows you to be like, oh, this person has a really good um, tool or thing that they're selling. Um, I see all the reviews. They've got 50 reviews and it's their four and a half stars. So this must be a really good place. This should probably be a good place for me to have dinner tonight. Right. You yeah. know, kind of stuff allows you to, to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because I feel like eat is like just the same thing, like E A and T it all kind of blends together in my mind. It's so hard for me to like actually understand, well, does this hit the E or the A or the T? Because when you talk about reviews, I'm like, sure, I definitely get that it's uh, it's about authoritativeness, but it's also to me about trust. Because if they put reviews on the site and I can see the bad reviews that are there and hey, okay, the bad review was like, hey, the batteries were left out of the packaging, even though the listing said batteries. Okay, well, if the product still works, I'm cool with supplying six AAA batteries. Like that's not a big deal, but um, but is. I just want the product to work. And so like when you can read through those reviews and gain some trustworthiness of like, is the product going to be a good, good experience for you? And it comes back to like the beauty stuff where, you know, if if you're reading about like how someone that you think is authoritative is, you know, utilizing certain beauty products, that it's it's like it's, you know, similar to a review but it's also different because it's an in-depth perspective from one person that's a little bit more comprehensive than, you know, maybe what I would consider just user's experience on a review where uh, it's a little bit less kind of put together in a way that makes a lot of sense, right? So reviews, I, I think are great. It's like a, a, it's like a, <laughs> a minefield of crazy stuff in there. Um, but, but I think getting just the regular star rating helps, helps people out a lot. So 
I, I love those two tips. I think having something written by an expert and then putting reviews on there, like two different ways to gain, um, gain some, some heightened eat scores. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And I um, think with the trustworthiness, just real quick, I think that you can look at that in a couple of different ways, because if your reviews are just from, you know, Joe Pen Pal, just a regular average person, and in, to your example, like, maybe give that person a one-star rating because the batteries were excluded. So now he's mad that he's got to get up and go to Walmart and go and buy batteries. And it's like, but did the product actually work? Because I don't necessarily look at this as a bad experience if the batteries were left out. That's an easy, simple type of fix, right? So I think reviews can kind of go in a couple of different directions. And I think where the trustworthiness worthiness might actually come in is if you if you have someone that, let's say, um, an actor or an actress, for example, that's endorsing a product and you really align with that person, I think that's where that trustworthiness, you can sort of put the pedal to the gas on something like that because you're just like, oh, this is being endorsed by Gwyneth Paltrow and I know she's a healthcare beauty guru, so I'm yeah. gonna trust this thing because she endorsed it, right? Versus, you know, the Joe Smoke kind of person. So yeah. there's it's, some good and bad with reviews for sure. It's so interesting because I feel like identity, you're st starting to touch on like identity, like how does the the person that's reading or looking or trying to trying to you know buy something or figure out what they want to you know the information they want to gather how are they consuming that and are they relating to the person that has written it so when you're talking about like the health space like i totally get it you don't have to actually identify that well with a doctor you just have to understand like they're a doctor and they've gone to you know four years of school and then four years of like residencies and they've done all this training so they probably have a good basis to 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 provide some insight but when you're talking about like beauty products or or even like maybe general merchandise kind of things, identity might play more of importance of a factor, right? Like the beauty industry, identity seems like a huge factor. Like if I'm looking for something, like, I don't know if I'm looking for like, you know, some new board shorts because I buy board shorts all the time. Like, <laughs> I guess, like if I see someone that is like, you know, uh, a 17 year old, to me, I'm much older. So if I see a 17 year old, sporting this brand, maybe that brand's not for me. Maybe I need a more like kind of, you know, broader appeal brand or someone that's like, you know, that, that, that meets kind of like my identity or, you know, I like to kiteboard. So like maybe there's, you know, a bunch of kiteboarding kind of people that like that, that are wearing these kind of things. And so you're kind of like, well, I'm more like these people. And so, and I do that activity. So I'm going to look at what, what's going on in that area. And so I guess I would trust those kind of things more just because I identify with those kind of kind of groupings. I think it makes a lot of sense, especially in the beauty space, because it's like you're kind of like wanting to to have maybe you don't want to look like like Gwyneth Paltrow or Rihanna, because I mean, but <laughs> but like you kind of like aspire to have this like this trend. You like to like, you know, I mean, like like I it, it's it's kind of cool. I mean, to to like have someone that you kind of aspire and you like their, you like their, you like their trends, you like their fashion, you like how they dress. And so you're like, yeah, you know, even if you don't wear those exact things or have that exact kind of look, you're like, well, I like what they have. I like how they're put together. And I mean, like, 
as a man, I can be like, oh, there's, there's, uh, uh, I mean, I, I can see other people and I'm like, well, I like how they're put together or they're put together and I can kind of identify and, and, and it gets a little judgy, but, and I don't want to get all judgy there, but it, I feel like there's, there's a lot to that when you're like going through content and you're like, I'm, I'm reading reviews on Amazon all the time. And I'm like, I don't know who this person is, but the, the one thing I like about the Amazon reviews is if they've give, be given the product, they'll usually say they've been given the product, which I actually appreciate. And I still will have, you know, uh, I would still read those reviews and, and take them into account. And I almost feel like just because they said that they'd be given a free product, sure, like, you know, maybe their review is a little bit biased, but I feel like I, because they've said that they got a free product, I kind of like discount the free product part of it as, as I don't, I don't think the review is worthless. Like, I still think the review is right. something just because of that. And I feel like that's part of the trustworthiness and, or, or maybe it's a self-identity thing of like, if I did that, that's probably the way that I would think to do it too. So I don't know but it, there's a lot in there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, when it comes to like, you know, going to, you know, your consulting company, like the the clients that you're dealing with and you're like, okay, we got to write more, more authoritative stuff, more trustworthy stuff. And maybe they don't even have reviews. Like, like one thing that I always see is how do people, how do SEOs get things prioritized? How do you get someone to start writing, adding reviews to to their site where they didn't have them before or start writing this more authoritative content, which maybe they think might be more expensive um, to use an expert? I don't know. What, what's, what's, your, what's your experience with that? Because implementation and prioritization seems to be always on people's minds of they've got too many ideas and not enough prior uh, ability to implement. Yeah. So I think what's key for me is to sort of understand the structure of how my clients are set up. And what I mean by that is, do they have a web developer already on staff or does, is that something that they need to like RFP out? Do they already have content writers or is that something they need to RFP out? And if it's something they need to RFP out, it's not a bad thing because a lot of times you only need an engineer to handle a specific task or you need a content writer to write specific content. So it's fine. But if I know I already have those people on staff to work with, then I sort of have meetings with them to discuss like, you know, how much of this can we honestly get prioritized right now? So more, you know, recently when I was at Clear Choice, um, a lot of the issues that they were sort of facing and the two major ones were like page load speed and also Core Web Vitals, right? And it was like, okay, so where can I get in on your sprint so that we can minify JavaScript? Or where can I get in in your sprint so we can compress images? I think that's just a natural conversation you have to have with your developers. And if it's like, oh, you can't get in on, on this sprint, the next sprint is eight weeks out, then I sort of shift my focus to, all right, well, let me talk to my content folks and see where I can get in and sort of work with them on content because it might make more sense for me to now prioritize content over this web dev work that I know that I need because I know I've got eight weeks out before I could even start discussing what that'll actually look like. 
So I think that's the best way to go about prioritizing the work, honestly, is knowing how your, your, your team, your supportive team around you is sort of structured so that you can have those conversations and just be very open and honest and fluid about whatever it is you're proposing, whatever it is you want to do. I feel like the more we sort of can educate people about SEO and the strategies and recommendations that we come up with, the better we'll be in the end. And everything needs to sort of be tied to like a KPI, of course, right? Everyone wants to know, how are we gonna grow? How are we gonna be better the next month? Whatever, whatever, right? And you can sort of tie those two things together. But I think fundamentally getting a person's buy-in by just explaining to them what you're doing, I think is the, the best thing that you could absolutely do. Yeah, I mean, I I really I really love that. It's like thinking thinking smartly and thoughtfully about the strategy based upon the structure and the resources that you have, right? And mm-hmm. recognizing that even if you think that some of the technical SEO is your highest priority, if there's a big blockade, like what can you do now that you can still do that may not be technical SEO, it might be on, on the other side, it might be content, it might be you know a, a whole bunch of other different things, but what can you do? And then reprioritize your list based upon what you can do to start to gain some of that momentum, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure if you if you focused on the content and you got some real good results after you know a couple months of working on the content, it'll be a lot easier to get things prioritized on the on the development side too, right? Um, because uh, it, it just it just feels like you'll you'll gain some trustworthiness inside the 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 client structure too, which goes back to the eat score. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Because you you get you have to be the expert and authoritative and trustworthy within your organization. It's almost like SEOs need to be eat themselves, which yep. which we can make a funny meme about that. Yes, um, we should. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, one one thing I always I'm always curious to know is you know is there something is there something everyone in the industry is trying to do that you've discovered a better way to do. That's a really good question. And um, I've thought about this. I don't know that there is necessarily a better way to do it. I just think it's my process. And I think it comes from me sort of starting off as a web developer and, and me thinking about what I would like. So like, in a perfect world for me, a SEO team should not just be an SEO professional. I think you should have an SEO development person, someone who is just going to do development for SEO. I think you should have SEO content writers, people who are just going to write the content for SEO. And then I think you can also sort of allow for there to be a little bit more symmetry in terms of when you do want to get work done and things done, you don't have to hear, oh, I need you to get into a sprint. The next sprint is eight weeks away. It's like, no, you've got your own SEO development person who was brought in-house to do this work themselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that could be your SEO professional if they have the technical know-with-all. But the problem is, and what I found to be the case is, 
your engineers don't always like to give you the keys to the castle, um, sort of speak. So it's more like, well, what do you need updated or what do you need done? You know, sure. right? Like they don't necessarily trust you to go into the back end of a, of a website. So that's why I say like having that person that's a little bit of a hybrid role where they're a developer at heart, but they also sort of know enough about SDO so that they can support any stuff or any things that you need to get updated and stuff like that. I think if more SEOs were sort of structured in that fashion, I think it would totally change the way we go about implementing our recommendations. It would totally change that whole landscape of having to wait to get things done. And it's like, no, we don't have to wait anymore. We actually have an SEO minded content person who can actually do this for us, right? Yeah. And then what it might look like from a higher up level and like the, the positions that I've had in the past as an SEO director is, it's my job to come up with that strategy, right? Like what are the marching orders that we need to sort of follow to get these things, you know, fundamentally done. Yeah. And so again, it, I don't think it's, it's how anyone is likely structured today, but it's, it's where I would honestly like us to sort of move into in terms of the structure of an SEO team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think you really you really nailed it there where it's super helpful to have your own dev on your team that can do whatever whatever any other dev can do at the company. That's 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 fundamental to like making making implementation happen really really well. Good. Um, you know, I think I I mean, that's definitely something that people should start doing is asking for a dev when they when they join companies, which I think is kind of your point is like when you're joining a new company, if you're taking a leadership role, expressing the the importance of having a developer on the team or a hybrid, you know, developer tech, you know, technical SEO or, you know, someone that wants to do multiple general things, but can still push code to prod. Um, and that, that, that would be super helpful. Is there anything that you think that everyone on our space should stop doing? Oh, in our space, SEO yeah. specifically, SEO. or are we talking about clients? <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I you could talk about clients for sure. Why not? I mean, you know, I I would I would say from an SEO perspective, um, stop over promising. And what I mean by that is, if you understand things about the client you're supporting or the brand you're working at and know that it, there are just going to be some things that can't be done, Yeah, you need to be honest about that, right? Like, let's not try to sugarcoat it and say, you know what, we just need to go in and change out the keywords and this page will rank in three weeks. Like, I want us to stop doing that, right? What we know about SEO is it's it's a slow path. We are the turtles in the race between the turtle and the hare, right? And yeah. paid search is the hare, right? You know, we know that and we're okay with that. Um, so I would say stop over-promising. You know, as much as your yeah. clients might push you and say, we need this up right now. We need to see results, you know, within the next four weeks. Tell them that, you know, level set expectations for them and yeah. help them understand why that probably won't change in the next three weeks. I want us to stop doing that 
because I think that what what we find is we have a lot of people in the SEO space who are sort of over promising things that fundamentally can just not be done. I think you will do better and serve your clients better if you are just completely transparent and honest, but also grab whatever research you need to to um, make your point exact. So if there's research out there, you know, prime example, page load speed. If your client says, I, I need to be, people need to get to my site in two seconds or less, you know, just pull the, the, the research from Google that says, well, actually, we just need you at three seconds or less. So as long as you're there, you're good. So yes. I would say, I would say that would be a big one for me. Sweet. I mean, that, that's really helpful of not overpromising because I feel like that, that is definitely apparent in the space. And it's also a space where I think results can vary really widely. And so even if you think you can get results quickly, your results can vary. And so you don't want to be put in a tough position with um, with your boss or with clients or you know anybody because you've overpromised that you're going to have real results in a, a few weeks where you could you could kind of space it out and say you know for the next quarter we think we're going to have some results we're going to try a bunch of things we're going to test a few things and we're going to change how we do this and after 3 weeks we'll probably have a lot more um momentum one way or another or we'll have a lot more data to be able to to forecast the next 6 months so i, I love that i love that um so you know let's give you some time to to talk about what you're doing now and how people could contact you i, I think you you've, you have got such a great insightful perspective um, so I, I'd love people to be able to contact you or, or get to know you and uh, outside of this. Yeah, so um, I can be reached uh, via LinkedIn. So just linkedin.com slash in slash Marcia Ingram um, is the, the URL uh, for that. Um, you know, my next opportunity, I think, is probably around the corner because the great thing about SEO is that there's always going to be companies and businesses that are looking, you know, for people. So while I'm doing some consulting right now, which is honestly a good thing, and it's not uncommon for SEO professionals to sort of have their nine to five and then a consultancy sort of yeah. on the side. Um, it's very common, but I'm actually doing, I've, I've gone back to doing a little bit of web dev work as well. Cause I just, I kind of sort of missed that a little yeah. bit. So that's been fun for me. I'm covering someone's maternity leave right now. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, and so I would just say like, for me, like I love being able to talk about both the technical and the content side of SEO, but I'm constantly researching. I'm constantly increasing my knowledge base. I subscribe to all the blogs that are, you know, sort of out yeah. there um, to sort of learn more and more. Um, always looking at Google algorithm updates and like, like, what does that mean? What what might that mean for my client? Will there be any impact? So spending a lot of time in Google Analytics to fundamentally see those those shifts and those changes. Um, and then the other place you can find me, although not as much because I don't post as much on it, is Twitter. Sure. I'm listed as geek on Twitter. So that's F-A-U-X-G-E-E-K um, on Twitter. Um, if you want to reach out to me there um, as well. That's a great handle. I love that. All right. So thanks so much for, for joining us today. Uh, that's a wrap. And I just really want to uh, thank Marcia Ingram for coming on today. 
and giving us your story. I uh, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for uh, for uh, listening today.